Do you know all the parts of yourself? The wolf within, the hawk that soars above, the deer that tends to your heart. Welcome to Radical Listening, the Portland podcast where we talk to local artists about their work. I'm your host, Phil Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Clifton Holtznagle. Today on the show, we have the Coho Residents from the Coho Residency Program. We got Kayla Banks, Andrea Vernay, and Chris Gonzalez. What's great about this episode is that everyone on the episode has uh, been involved in the process. Uh, Phil was kind of helping these people, and uh, he took a chance on me, letting me design projections for uh, Kayla and Andrea. And Chris, I'm really excited to see the end of his film because uh, I saw the first half of it a couple weeks ago, and since then there's been a lot more added, and I can't wait to see the outcome of this. Yeah, we had a great conversation with them. We talked about their pieces and, and kind of the development of them, but we also kind of talked about the themes behind their pieces and what drove them to do uh, these types of live performances. And so there was a lot of really great uh, conversation about that. We had some funny headlines. So, you know, I- enjoy this episode. It's really good. Live from Coho Productions, it's Radical Listening. Today on the podcast, we have our Coho residents who have been working on their shows for the last few months. It's uh, Kayla Banks, Andrea Vernay, and Chris Gonzalez. Kayla Banks' show, Find Your Way, is streaming live on YouTube Friday, May 14th at 7.30 p.m. Andrea Vernay's show, Story of My Anxiety, is playing live on YouTube May 15th at 7.30 p.m. And Chris Gonzalez's play slash film, I suppose, OK Abner, is uh, playing on Sunday, May 16th at 7.30 p.m., also streaming live on YouTube. You can find tickets at cohoproductions.org. It's uh, free if you want or, you know... As Andrea says, you got it, so give us some cash. Yeah, so uh, let's go in order of the the productions here. Uh, so, Kayla, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Clifton. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, Andrea, how are you doing? I am doing really good. Yeah, thank good, you for good, good. And Chris, what's going on with you? I'm not much feeling good, yeah. Good, good, good. And, of course, we have our fabulous host with the most philip johnson here at the helm <laughs> philip what's good with you today yeah it's great to be here this is a big crew but it, we've been all you know we've been together all year so this is this is normal this is family right here yeah it's nice to see this thing mm-hmm. the culmination of it everybody wrapping it up together so yeah. yeah so yeah guys so what a year it's been we started in february um in the beginning of this we were all kind of like what is this going to be and now we know what it is, and we have pieces to share. So, how has it been for you? Like uh, Kayla, for instance, how how has it been for you? You were out of town for a lot of the process. You came in town, and then you just hustled, mm-hmm. and here we are, almost at opening. Yes, yeah. Thank you. It feels good. It feels like we're in that process of like finishing up, like finishing the race reaching that point of like exhaustion. Like if you have, if you're a runner, if you run where you're at, like you're that pushing point and you're just like, your lungs are feeling like they're about to collapse (laughs) and you just want to fall down and die. Yes. That's how it's gone. (laughs) But yeah, I, I think coming in late was, it's been an interesting process and then getting to just getting Uh, I think my process has just been a little different this time where it's like, I've taken less pressure, um, on myself and just, you know, like let it, 
let things more or less just come really enjoy my time being back, like reconnecting with um, people, reconnecting with the land and letting that be a part of my process as well. Um, for, you know, the flow of inspiration versus like, I'm going to spend every waking hour, like in the theater. Um, I've had like less moments there, of course, in some ways, like I wish I've had, like I had maybe like a little, little more time, but I feel like maybe that's how artists feel. Like we're, we're at that point sometimes of like not being satisfied. And there's like, when you're creating something and there's a show or something coming up, it's like, okay, well, this is just what it's going to be. Like you have to like take a breath. And I was talking to my mom about it too. Cause I just, I have that anxiety like coming up of like, how are people are going to receive it and how is it going to be interpreted? And my mom's just like, let it be like, it's just going to be, people are going to see it different ways. And it's just like, you just show your work and I don't know, whatever happens happens with it really. So it's just an honor to be able to create and to be in space. So yeah, thank you. Now, Chris, now you were working from the beginning you know, filming and pretty much in a tech process. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like now? Are you, are you done editing? What's it like? Uh, yeah, right now the first cut is done and now it's just about mixing the audio. So <clears throat> what I wanted to kind of get out of this residency was to just learn how to do a bunch of shit. I wanted to learn how to do a lot of things. So I just uh, came in and editing was one of them downloaded you know, premiere, watch 10 million YouTube videos and just edited it. And now it's like, watch 10 million YouTube videos about the audio. Yeah. And it's just watch 10 million YouTube videos about light, like everything. So it's just been a lot of self-teaching. Um, mm. And the tech, I mean, you, Phil, have been instrumental. Like, uh, I can't thank you enough for helping mm -hmm. with everything having to do with tech from the beginning and more. Because uh, to have that from the very beginning allowed us to have a smooth process the whole time um so that we're not rushing now being like oh what you know do, do, do the cameras look like with these lights and like we already had all that figured out because we did a lot of tests mm -hmm. and we just spent pretty much all of february testing mm -hmm. so we uh, did that and then we were rehearsing and filmed we finished uh last week mm -hmm. uh really happy with everything really happy with everything yeah that's so, great feeling really good about it yeah andrea how about you how i'm feeling I am, um, I feel so, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with where it's at. I think I'm in the same place where, where Kayla is, where I'm just like, is it, is it good enough? Is there anything that I need to change? Are people going to like it? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm so deep in the piece, especially because after we just came off of tech. Um, and so trying to get all of the tech elements out of my mind to just focus on just like the art of it. Uh, so that's the battle that I'm kind of fighting right now. But yeah, really proud of the work that the entire team was able to do in the amount of time. Um, very excited for people to see it. I, I'm just wondering, um, Drea and Kayla specifically, because these shows are very much about you. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure, Chris, for you as well, there's a lot of personal elements for these things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, is uh, you're mentioning a bit of nervousness. You're going to be showing these things to like your parents and like people who matter to you in your lives mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And that's like, it takes a lot of courage. And, and I'm just wondering um, how you've been feeling about that. If that's been, you know, coloring how you think about how you've been creating and as it gets closer to time, uh, how that's making you feel. I was going to say pass. <laughs> 
Um, okay, I can go. Um, I think that's always in the front of my mind about what my parents will think. My mother, especially, because she's just like, ooh, you cussing. And so, like, that's always the only thing. She can't see past any of that. Any of that. It's like the moment I say fuck, she checks out. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like, dang, I don't know what she's going to think. Um, I don't know if my parents will be able to see it on Saturday anyway. Mm. So that relieve some of that pressure but for sure that's exactly what i'm thinking of and when i first told my parents i had anxiety they were just like we did something wrong and i was just <laughs> like i was like i don't think that's what it is but <laughs> i don't know if you did anything wrong i mean you did the best with what you had um so yeah always thinking of them and i'm very nervous you know i want i'm words of affirmation so i want people to love it but i'm coming to grips with it's okay if they don't because mm, I yeah. do. I love it. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that, that last part for sure. I, um, I don't know, like parents, family. I know. I think, think they've all closely like been a part of this, like uh journey of awakening. I think for me, like my piece really is about a journey of awakening of, of self and, and self love and kind. There's like lots of little elements that I mean, I've always related to Andrea's piece, like with the anxiety, like even that's not what my piece is about, but your piece like makes me think like, I got I mean, I I've had a therapist like tell me like, you have anxiety and be like, no, I don't. And it's like, "Mm." (laughs) like I've, I, yeah, there's just like, I think all every person I think has a level of anxiety, but yeah, like to what level does it affect your, your daily life and how do you, how do you process that? So there is like elements of, of that within my piece, but overall it's about like returning to self and finding like your source within yourself, um, to like carry on things that like, I'm a very sensitive person. I'm a very spiritual person. So things that seem like, Oh, you know, just get over it. Just like move forward. Like really, it really messes me up. And my breakup is something that like, really, I, I, it was a journey. It was a, it was a spirit journey for me and just the things that I experienced. So I'm just kind of ready for people to see it. I don't know. Like I'm still in relation uh, with some of the people from my previous relationship. So I think maybe that makes me somewhat nervous, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm like, whatever, it's my truth. Yeah. Like, come at me, bro. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come at me. You make your own show. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and Chris, I was just curious because I've only seen like the first half of this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also mentioned that this is really personal to you. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit different seeing as you're not, um, you're not starring in your own piece. And I, I was just curious about the journey of how you came to this show and what, what it means to you personally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the show um, for me is sort of about um, if what we're talking about is kind of like anxiety and different kinds of ways that even <clears throat> our past experiences or past trauma like affects us now and affects our mental health, my show is about how your parents' uh, experience of those things translates down to you mm. and what the boundary is between, um, you know, like what you said, Jay, really is true. It's if you say something um, about how you were raised, it is an immediately often a defensive stance that yeah. your parent will take. And I'm sure that when I'm a parent, I will understand it on a deeper level. Mm. I don't want to overly criticize parents. I don't believe in that. I, <laughs> But at the same time, there can't be no criticism 
um, which is how I think many of us are raised, how I was certainly raised, zero tolerance basically for criticism. So Mm -hmm. this play is my opportunity to basically do that. I don't really talk to them. I have three parents, two moms and one dad. My dad is in hospice right now. And two, my two moms I don't speak to. Mm. So they're definitely not going to see this. Um, So for me, it's sort of an opportunity to uh, create a character who can essentially show up uh, in ways and be accountable in ways that, you know, my own experience could never be. So that's one of the ways that, uh, that I like to use, you know, writing and things like that. It sounds depressing, but I, process it with a lot of humor and uh, put try to put jokes in it and shit like yeah, that absolutely yeah i noticed that all of your pieces have this centering of of a narrative or of a certain type of conversation that doesn't feel like it's talked about enough like you know we talk about anxiety we talk about perseverance and and chris as, with your piece it's it's about i mean you center uh the type of person who we're so taught, especially on, you know, the liberal side to mm-hmm. kind of demonize right. or these people who are kind of deplorable or cast away. Yes. What was your decision making around wanting to tell a story about that type of person? Well, that's exactly it. It's like you have to uh, or I had to to begin to unpack like the ambiguities of parent child relationships where you can't reduce your parent to simply bad or simply good. Uh, simply they didn't try or they did their best or whatever it is. You, there's no simple reduction that you can do in the relationship. Um, and it causes a lot of confusion uh, and a lot of pain and um, a lot of struggle. And I think that that's also true of other kinds of um, relationships or dynamics as well, not just parent-child, but city-country. People in the city just projecting out that people who live in the country are unspiritual Trump supporting uh, whatever the stereotype is less intelligent um, whatever it is I wanted to have one of those characters and basically break all those Mm -hmm. to show someone who's like just a real person Um, because Oregon is such a huge state in Portland it's easy to think that it's the whole world in Portland Mm -hmm. and you just go a couple towns over and you meet people that'll really break a lot of your or a lot of my stereotypes of what um that is so i wanted to bring in that kind of ambiguity too and have somebody who's not a trump supporting like like uh, what's that word i'm looking for not hillbilly but uh country bumpkin Mm -hmm. the idea of like oh they're just country bumpkins out there it's like no it's like people that are also similar to you Mm -hmm. and what is that ambiguity um so that's the division there and how it relates to the parent-child thing. Yeah, it, and a lot and these pieces just focus on hurt and mm-hmm. um, and how we heal from that hurt. Now, Andrea, like, what was the first moment that you decided that you wanted to talk about something as personal as your anxiety, especially as a black woman? Mm-hmm. Because it's a conversation that's starting to happen yeah. within the black community, but it still feels a little vulnerable to say, "Hey, I have anxiety." And the things that you're saying in the show are speaking directly to what the anxiety feels like. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I, and I, and I think I wrote it that way is because oftentimes you don't know what it feels like. If I tell someone they have anxiety, they're just like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's how it feels often with mental illness in general is just like, 
you can't put your hand on it or you can't directly see it. So it's like people don't think that it's real. Um, so I just wanted to give people a very real visceral experience of what it feels and sounds like um, and why I decided to write on it. I was already in the mental illness arena anyway. My brother um, has schizophrenia. And so I was going to originally do my piece about my family's experience experiencing that, but it didn't feel right for me to write that piece right now. Mm-hmm. But um, distracting myself on on Instagram, I scrolled past this post. I was just like, it had a bunch of pictures. It was like anxiety and like all the ways that people can experience it. And it had like a picture to describe each emotion of anxiety. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is um, because I've um, suffered from anxiety from, I don't I think all of my life, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know what it was until like three, four years ago. And so having, being able to share that knowledge with people, especially black people, because I know a lot of people in my own family, my own friends that are anxious as fuck. And um, they don't have any of the tools. They don't have any coping mechanisms for how to help them. Um, So I'm just hoping to offer some light through that. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I've heard the word anxious before, like Mm. growing up, but I didn't know what it meant until I moved out to the West coast Yeah, because back home people don't talk about being anxious or if they're being anxious, it's just kind of like one of those throwaway feelings like, Oh, I was really anxious to go. I got bad news. That's what my grandma was saying. (laughs) But it was never like a clinical thing. It was never like, Oh no, like my anxiety is what causes me other symptoms that, you know, derail me and Mm -hmm. other things. And, um, so yeah, so, you know, once you start to understand, once you get the language, Right. And understand what it what it is, yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, well, no, like that's I've definitely felt that way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was also thinking as you're talking, Jaya, about um, the idea of like with like POC. Sometimes it's like that therapy is that you've failed somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's you think I need? You're saying I need to go to therapy? It's like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it probably would help. <laughs> yeah. Right. Help us out, right? <laughs> I think you'd like it. Yeah. But that that uh, is one thing that I, I uh appreciate about what we're talking about and about your piece and just about not treating that kind of uh help as some sort of failure of character or something like that, but something that can be really fruitful and awesome and chill and right. And also, it's not for everyone. That's another thing I always think about therapy too. Is that like you could you could say therapy is awesome all they want, but sometimes it's not helpful. Like if if someone has to shop around for a therapist and it's just beating them down, and or they're not connecting and they they get down on themselves. There's a million reasons why it's not for everyone. Yeah, but it, to start to make it so that it's more acceptable, especially like with people like that look like us. Uh, is important. And speaking of therapy, Kayla, your piece is therapeutic in a whole different way because of it, it's not just personal, but it's descriptive of things that have happened in your life. You talk about people who have been in your life. And ha- did you find that there was any healing in this process of building this work of art? I think it's going to come actually. I think in these like these last few days where it's like going to run through, I think I'm a person that I bottle it up until the last moment. <laughs> Um, so, but yes, I, I guess still to answer that for sure, like some, uh, a lot of how the text was written and stuff was 
was more candid in the sense of like, it wasn't like I sat down and wrote, it was like something came to mind or something. I had a trigger and I was like, okay, let me, let me voice record this or let me just jot it down right now in a notebook. Um, and this text has been developing since, yeah, I mean, it's referenced in my, um, description, like really like since 2016. So it's like, it really is just like kind of flushing out everything and I was thinking about it today. I was like, Ooh, like I could really just see myself doing, um, almost like a, just like a, a 2.0 version of this where I delve into like, maybe like even some more darker stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I, I love art cause it's ever evolving and changing and, um, growing with ourselves. And, and for me, my artistic practice, it comes for me. It's, it's imbued in me. It is my story. I'm a storyteller. Like I'm all about oral tradition and, and storytelling. So, um, and then, you know, living in that abstract and like magical realism and then just talking about like therapy. Yeah. Like bringing that into like art is art is therapeutic. And yeah, sometimes a counselor, a traditional, what has been presented as traditional ways of therapy doesn't, doesn't work with anything. And I think, um, it's also good to connect with like cultural, mm. cultural protocols and, um, and community. Um, but either way, I think it's super important to get support. And I think that's even like how all of our pieces can kind of showcase that is like, like, again, like how do we find support through conversation, through dialogue, through professional quote unquote professional services and through community. So yeah. And just sharing, sharing your story and getting it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, Kaylee, you were talking about, you know, connecting with culture and, um, you have Paiu roots. Yes. Is that, is that the, um, so I am actually a Choctaw Chickasaw. So Choctaw Chickasaw, that's Southeastern tribes. And they were the tribes that were moved from, uh, the Southeast, uh, to Oklahoma. So with the trail of tears, um, a lot of my elders, my, my elder is Paiute. So oh, she okay. is Northern Paiute. Yeah. So I reference and I'll be singing a Pawnee song. And that was taught to me by a Pawnee. I, I, I won't call him an elder. <laughs> so yeah, but yes. So yeah, just, um, I think in my relation with like indigenous people to this, indigenous to turtle island or what we call the americas is like super become like super important in my practice and yeah just like life in general i was just curious um because you talk about connecting with culture and your your culture was it part of uh growing up were you connected with that or was it something that came to you later i uh, was raised being told like i'm african and native Mm -hmm. and so that more of and there's a line in my piece where it's like oh i don't really know what that means because i wasn't my family is not enrolled in the tribe but they were Mm -hmm. from oklahoma like their their roots and everything come from oklahoma and we came from the mississippi band of chataw chickasaw and we were part of the land allotments which we did lose that land and so it's like i grew up with like stories and my dad just being like oh yeah like this is just who you are like this is just just like a part of you. And we went to like powwows, which is very different than ceremony, which is very different than sweat. Um, but it was just like, it was just ingrained in me at a very young age. So then as I got older, I was like, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, how do I reconnect with this? And there's a really good book, um, by Tommy orange called they're there. And I love that book because it talks a lot about, um, it wasn't good to be native. Like it wasn't like during certain times, it wasn't good to be native. Just like it wasn't good to be black. Right. Like it was like, okay, like how do we, 
avoid stereotypes or like, how do we like, how do we blend in more? How do we assimilate more, you know, not for everybody, but for, you know, for some families and that was definitely my family. Um, and then there's stuff that is being addressed and called out right now, which is anti-blackness and the fact that tribal nations had slaves. And so addressing that as like, Hey, this is real. And you know, there are so many tribes and different things. So it's like, it's, you don't want to generalize, but it's like, but I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to tell it from a a reference point from myself. And it's like, and I'm going to call it out what it's, what it is, right? Like there, there has been anti-blackness and there has been people who black people who were enslaved by, you know, tribal nations. Um, and there are people right now, the freedmen who are fighting for their rights, um, for tribal to be tribal members, to be accounted for. So it's just like a very, you know, it's a very, very real and it's, it's not, you know, a general too. It's like, you know, each person has their different ties and different things, but there are a lot of people, there are, there are some people too, where it's like, you know, again, that concept of like, it wasn't good to be native. So I'm going to go, I'm going away. I'm going away. Like, I'm not going to stay on this reservation. I'm not Mm going to stay with these people. And if you look at the history of Oklahoma, Oklahoma was specifically for black and native people until they found out there was oil there. Then it was like, Oh, there's oil. We got to go in there. That's you have the Tulsa riots. You have the Osage murders, literally people marrying into families, killing people, literally destroying towns of prosperity and wealth. So I carry a lot of pain. I carry that pain from my family. I carried those stories. And that is what I highlight, even though that's like half of me, right? Like I have my mom's family over here and I've done a lot of like all of my reconnecting pieces for me, which is represented, represented through ritual, through this altar that you see. But I really do focus on the, the parts of me that have been silenced, the parts of me that have not been allowed to like voice themselves and the ancestors that have been like, Oh, we want to push you away. We want to like, forget about you. And it's like, no. Mm. So you have such a really good understanding of your history. And I'm curious because as, as a black person, for the most part, it feels like you're not really connected to your history. You know, you, the only history that you feel as a black person is what you're taught in school about slavery and, you may be able to go back to your grandfather's, you know, father or something like that. But you have, it seems like you were taught and raised to have a really like full understanding of both of your lineages. Um, I'm curious how that has informed you and informed your identity. And also has it, how, how did you get to your art making practice from that point of view? Did you start in indigenous practice? Did you start in black practice? I think I start just like, again, with like the oral tradition and I'm really like seeing this and noticing this. Like I, I started as, I I feel like this is why college is great. Like for artists, because you get those opportunities where it's like, Oh, create, create. I think that's like one of the best reasons why to study art in college is because it gives you space to actually like explore your voice. So most of my pieces, everything, again, it's coming from me telling a story that's related to uh, my ancestors. And I'm, I, I'm just like, I consider myself a cultural bearer and that's continuously evolving, but I hold on to, I have some of like, like my precious, like family heirlooms and the, the stories told to me, I write them down and I memorize them like word to word to word to word. And just like carrying those stories is like super, super important to me. And I don't really know 
where that comes from per se. I think it is, I think it really just goes into the roots of like oral tradition, like, you know, which comes from all cultures, like, and how, how things get passed down, passed down and further. And so I just, from a young age, like I was like, Oh, I'm going to remember this. My dad said this, I'm going to remember this. Like, I'm going to collect this. Even when my uh, maternal, which that side is a Czechoslovakian, it's like, just like keeping um, like a zither. Like I literally have like all of my family heirlooms from both sides. So it just became like super important to me to know these stories and to honor, honor these people that have led me to this moment right here. Mm. Um, and then evolve that and just like, and also be able to like use that to like how I evolve myself as a person and as like a, a spirit being. So, yeah, that's awesome. Now, and Chris, okay. Abner is the first of a series. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about each character in the series, mm -hmm. how did you create those characters? Did they come from people in your life or are, are you focusing on specific individuals because you want to start a conversation about certain uh, types of people? Uh, I mainly go from researching and doing a lot of reading about just crazy shit that happens in Oregon. Like, you know how like a lot of crazy shit happens in Florida? Yeah, like Florida, Florida man. man. Hold on yeah. Now, hold on now. Mm -hmm. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. But it, it's true. <laughs> but it's true. The thing is that like Oregon has a little bit of that kind of wilderness, literally wilderness, but also energetically, mm -hmm. and all of the like, you know, geologic movement underneath our feet all the time and it's yeah. like at any given moment there might be a catastrophic earthquake and like everyone dies mm -hmm. and everyone's just walking around and it's like i never lived in anywhere a place like that where i'm literally looking around like why aren't you freaking out <laughs> or like when i moved here like when i moved here and like i would i never saw like this many people like using meth like i never saw like this much there's like a lot of sex trafficking even in, in the pearl and there's just so much there's there's a whole there's a whole system of tunnels beneath Portland. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's the craziest and coolest shit ever where they used to Shanghai people and kidnap them and you wake up on a barge in the middle of nowhere and you're enslaved and it's like that's like right here. Mm. There's so many stories like that. Um crazy unbelievable things that are just like in Oregon that like I just can't believe. So um I read them, I I write them all down, I organize them, and then I try to pair them. And then I start writing about them, and from those stories, then a character emerges from there, from the stories. And then once I have the voice of the character, then I can put my personal psychological layer. But it starts off really from a kind of journalistic approach, mm. and then it becomes more psychological and personal uh, once I know what the connection is between the different things that I'm trying to talk about and what the symbolic connection is. Yeah. yeah and you've got like a main line into it, answering the phones at OPB, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how we first met. That's exactly Actually, right. Yeah. You yeah. got crazy motherfuckers like me calling you up, trying to tell you something. Yes, so exactly. <laughs> no, it's so true. Like, <laughs> Only crazy people call the radio, right? No, <laughs> no bro. I mean, joking, like, it's so true. Yeah. Though. Like, <laughs> I never heard this story. How did you meet? Oh, well, he, well, it was like, I, emailed or called in or something because i heard something about the red house uh, mm -hmm. that was reported on the radio mm -hmm. and i from what i had heard from being at the red house was false information and i got all angry 
<laughs> and like wrote some email or called in or called something. In. Yeah, I called in. And in, then the first time we were doing something for this production, Chris was like, you know, because uh, you mentioned that you had seen me in a play or something yeah. like when we were talking. And I was like, that's that's wild. That's really cool that someone is answering the phones there who had <laughs> seen a play I was in. I was like, yeah. all right. And then... Uh, but then to then then meet you, I was like, oh yeah, totally. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty interesting. No, I was a huge fan of yours already oh. um, when you called in, and I, that's why when the caller ID, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I was uh, because I work at Oregon Public Broadcasting, and I answer phones there. I have people calling me from rural areas all the time and saying the craziest shit that you've ever heard, telling me crazy shit talking about shit and then when i hear it one of the things that i often hear is people say you know it's not it's oregon public broadcasting not portland public broadcasting yeah. so there are so many people who feel disenfranchised and invisible and in oregon it's a huge state how do you how are you going to have one broadcasting <laughs> for the whole so i mean there are there is southern oregon public broadcasting as well but the point is just that there's people there's a lot of people who are living out where there's shit that we don't even think about like wolves that come and eat all your shit mm. like they you have your whole living and now they're eating your living mm. yeah. and you're trying to protect your animals and then like there's this rules and legislations that that's coming from people that don't even live there i heard some some law passed in idaho that they're they're allowing people to kill like 90 percent of the wolves in this in the state there's so much crazy. It's like wolves. There's other. There's so many things with UFOs. like. UFOs. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love well, the UFO aspect of your show. It's like casually mentioned almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, I love that. <laughs> it, it, it develops further into like it becomes more of a significant thing. The idea of sure. what it means to be an alien mm -hmm. um, and what yeah. it means to be alienated um, and what it means to be seen as like, you know, as a black person, I know I know that like black people with like really nice hair like you do Dre, like and you as well but like you have that hair that i bet people come up and they touch and shit mm -hmm. that's like treating you like you're an alien yeah. oh my god where are you from and they their eyes go open and it's like you're literally from a different planet yeah so um that is thematically how what that develops into in, in the show and why aliens are important but yeah aliens uh when you're out in the country it's like you know, my people might be like, oh, <laughs> those idiots, they think of, they believe in aliens. And it's like, yeah, but like, you're not out there seeing the crazy fucking shit that they're seeing. What so how are you disemboweled my cows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, that's sort of my ear to the ground in Oregon um, and the pulse that I have for all these different stories and how they yeah. uh, relate to my writing. Yeah. I, I will say I was just in the desert. Um, and if you're in the desert at night, you know, like burns oregon mm -hmm. that area if you're in the desert at night different you when you the amount <laughs> of stars that you yes, can see dude. in the sky it, i don't know how you don't believe in aliens it's like yeah. if you go out if it's you, highly spiritual too yeah, yeah like if you were to go outside every night and see shooting stars every night that's right i could see you creating all kinds of stories yeah. that's right well that's yeah. another reason that in my in all of the monologues one of the things that unites them all is like the idea of a cosmology mm. there's always gods there's always a chain of being there's always you know, where are we, when are we gods, when are we animals, when are we humans, and then like trying to blend all that together and kind of mix it up and jumble it up. That's one of the through lines of my thing. And I think that when you live in the country, you have these spiritual experiences where you'll go out and you're like, that's, and that's one of the things that I've had in Oregon where I'm just like, I've never seen something that's just so raw and mm -hmm. so beautiful as yeah. Oregon. It's, it's, and it's dangerous. That's the other aspect mm -hmm. that I want to have in my monologues too, is that it's not cuddly. 
you can't just walk up and pet the wolf. It'll rip your face off. But it's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. Um, so that's another tension between like the beauty and the danger of wilderness. That, yeah. That kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how like living in Portland too, it's like, oh yeah, you're just in a city. Everything is safe. Right. And then you drive 40 minutes and you're like, all right, things are a little different out here. Like, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. And it's in going out to the desert. It's like, you know, you think about living out there or something mm-hmm. and think about all these other things that you have to you start thinking about like, well, if I was just living out here, right? What are the, the uh, there's all these things that I just take for granted that I'd have to start thinking about. And so, yeah, totally. It's really, I mean, really interesting. It's also really scary, you know, just being black too. You know, like I yeah. always think about going to the coast at night, mm-hmm. and you have to go through these really windy roads, and you have to go like really slow in your car. Yeah. And I'm sitting there being like, and I'm high, and I'm like, dude, what if some fucking people who hate black people were out here? Yeah. Like, I would be fucked. It's dark on all sides. It's windy roads. It's foggy. And if someone just walked out, I'd have to just be like, I, it was, I always have a fear of being out mm-hmm. at night in, in, on the coast in, in, in rural areas in, oh my in God. Oregon. So maybe two years ago, I was driving to the coast and it was like 10 o'clock at night. So this is a really bad idea from the beginning. And yes. <laughs> I'm driving to the coast and I get to that part where it starts getting windy, you know, like next rest stop is like yes. 90 miles or yeah. something like that you better have gas in the car yes. and exactly <laughs> and i exactly. didn't oh no and i you didn't. gas. so literally literally for i i don't know i don't know when it started but i remember looking down at my gas meter and i'm just driving because i was trying to make time that was the big thing mm. so i wasn't paying attention <laughs> wrong and so then with like 50 <laughs> to like maybe like 70 miles to go I'm on E. No! On E. <laughs> were you going through the... This is Phil. I'm going sorry. Through the, like, <laughs> were you baked? Huh? I, you know, probably. That makes it even worse. <laughs> Quite and, honestly. And, you know, I was definitely feeling anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and I'm just like going and going and going. And I'm just like, okay. So yeah, at this point, I'm just going to put, you know, put my trust in God. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. here we go. Because all I can do is drive. It's but dark. I'll tell you, here's the thing. I swear by hybrids. Because my hybrid got me all the way to the coast, 70 miles. On got E? On E. That's, that's bars. <laughs> all the way to the coast. And then I got to the gas station, and they rejected my card. So then I had to find another <laughs> gas station. Out, yeah. But at least you were out of those fucking woods. No, it is true. It, it, literally, and just to go off of what you're saying, like so many like story ideas and like concepts like popped up in my mind. I'm like, what could happen to me out exactly. here? Exactly. What happens if I get, if I have to stop? Yes. You know what I mean? And you know, the other thing. Someone. The other thing is there's no signal, so I can't call anybody. That's over. Yeah. You know, I the you have to keep your phone on just because you know how sometimes if you keep Google Maps open, mm-hmm. it'll tell you where you're going, but it won't actually update. It's not like yeah, you see the map. You got the yeah. GPS, but you don't have the signal. Yeah, yeah. that was definitely my experience. So I, I, I totally <laughs> relate. To what yes, you're man, yeah. absolutely. And having to rely on somebody, you're out there being yeah. like, I would have to rely on a stranger out here. We will knock on some random door. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, Andrea, you are coming from, you know, being a stage actor, you know, full time. And you're kind of doing a debut for people. You're, you're saying, we've seen you sing, of course, on stage, but we've never seen you sing and rap and do a concert. This is a concert. Mm. So, what, what compelled you to say, I actually want to show my musical side and also... What was the process of, of kind of transitioning from thinking about things as an actor to thinking about things as a musician? 
well, I will say to answer your question about being an actor and about being a musician, it it felt very much the same because it's still very much based in storytelling. Absolutely. And I think that's what I learned in this process is that music is no different uh, than acting because it's all about the story. Um, and as far as I love music, all kinds of music. Um, that's how I was raised. My dad is obsessed with music. And so I have like a, a deep respect uh, and admiration for all musicians. Um, and so I think that music has been my saving grace in this pandemic. Um, having experienced um, a lot of loss, a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and music was the only thing that I think kept me grounded. Um, and so, and I've always written songs since, I don't know, like third, fourth grade. But it was just like, you know, you internalize shit that people tell you. It's like, oh, your voice don't sound like so-and-so. And like me comparing myself to other people. So I was like, oh, okay, I can't do music. Okay, I'll accept that. That's fine. <laughs> I'll just be a fan. Um, but my roommate, Jalen, who's also the producer uh, for Soma, um, he's always, every every day, he's an engineer by day. And at night, he's just like working on beats and his craft. And he's just like, Dre, I come down. And so I think that's really what it was like. I was like, dang, maybe I can like write. Um, and so that's what made me um, want to tell my story that way. Because I was like, this feels comfortable. Love Tiny Desk Concerts. Mm-hmm. 3ZF. Yeah. Some of us knew it. That's <laughs> Not <true>. everyone, though. <laughs> Look, Andrea is the type of person who will start a freestyle battle in the middle of wherever you are. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Portland didn't know. <laughs> it's true. Was there anything... I mean, you mentioned the pandemic being part of it because I, I feel like a lot of us in the theater world are so used to mm. doing theater and the whole theater thing is like, you're just going, going, going. Mm-hmm. And it's also strictly collaborative. Yeah. Strictly collaborative. You need everybody to be there and everyone's doing like one thing at a time yeah and so i i found this for myself too with the pandemic i was like well, what else can i fucking do and all these other things that i really wanted to be doing yeah because i've always liked theater but it's like i always felt like there was something like like missing from the stuff i was making where i'm like i i I want to make something that feel like really, really cool. Yes. You know what I mean? I want to do something cool. Because theater's like, theater's nice, theater's fun, yes. but it's a little nerdy. And so it's like, sometimes yes. I want to like, you know, do something that I'm like, and, and, and to like remove yourself from like the, um, because, you know, you and I both have a, like a, a theater college background mm-hmm. where it's like, we've been working on this craft yes, for way forever. too damn long. Yes. And, and so it's, I'm, I'm like always up in my head about my acting or whatever I'm doing in theater. And, um, to just take something and be like, look, there's no pressure on this right now because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's just, it's me trying something out. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like I've seen a lot of people come out with some really cool stuff that was just based off of what they were interested in. Mm. So, yeah. 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 And, and, that's interesting. Before the pandemic popped off, I was like, oh, I'm I'm going to take a break from acting mm. because I was so burnt out from sure, it. I yeah. felt like I had nothing else to give mm. and I didn't feel like I was elevating it in any kind of way. Mm. I was just kind of stuck in this will of just like three, four shows a year. You yeah. know what I mean? Phil, we were talking about that. And so it's how just, long were you doing that? How long had you been acting all like on, on that kind of level? Um since 2015 wow yeah, yeah. At least. it's been a marathon was that when you moved yeah 
Wow. That's when I moved in 2015 because I started as an apprentice. That apprenticeship is no joke. Like nine months of yes. kicking your ass, which was great. That's what I needed um, as an artist. Like it taught me how to be an artist in a way that I wasn't able to experience when I was in college. Um, mm. But it was, it was, it was tough. Um, I bet you've been doing three, four, sh- four shows years for even longer than that. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's what it feels like. Same, same. Um, So I was like, yeah, I don't... (laughs) Even now, I'm just like... Getting on a stage acting right now, I'm just like, I don't... I don't know what I have to give unless it's, it's unless it's something really cool and experimental. Right. It's right. new shit. It's gotta touch me. Yeah, right? it's yeah, it's gotta yeah. it's gotta touch me. Now I can't accept any type of theater project that I'm like, ooh, that's exciting. I'm like, ah, words on stage, blocking. I'm okay. Right. And it goes <laughs> to what you were saying about the yeah. it being collaborative, is that, you know, for the most part, you don't get to pick your project. You know, right. you you get to audition yeah. for projects you like, but Ugh. you know, there's only still, so many projects yeah, out there. Yeah, there's only yeah. so many, yeah. You're, you're telling someone else's story. And so, you know, this this opportunity was an opportunity to tell our own stories, which was kind of like the goal was to see what happens when you say, Hey, what do you want to talk about? What's important to you, and then what you're creating and and, and artistic style. That's literally why I moved to Portland. Yeah. To have yeah. to have this opportunity to yeah. have someone just be like, here's this money. We trust you. Yeah. <laughs> Where did the you money, move though, from? Right? <laughs> What's that? Where did you move from? I moved from Massachusetts, from Northampton, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. So uh, from the East Coast. I came out also in a relationship that basically exploded. One of the things that's funny when you like have a relationship. Did you move here in the relationship ended? I did. Yeah. When so I ended. moved here. Well, not when it ended. No, sorry. Vice versa. Okay. I moved here with the relationship. It ended. But this is where I built my community. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a place of, I mean, it it is home in a lot of ways. Right, because of that. Because you basically uh, put yourself back together. You uh, have nothing. You have just yourself, basically. And there's so much growth in that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I moved here in a relationship that ended very quickly. And so I was forced to, what you just said, establish community. Within the first month that I moved here, I met with 40 different people. Like wow. uh, from the theater community, people that I still talk to, Kevin Jones, I met him like within the first week. Uh, I got coffee with Rebecca Lingafelter. Rebecca Lingafelter yeah, took me out to like a nice. First of all, Rebecca Lingafelter is a goat. We all have to just, we just have to, we just have to acknowledge the goat, the goat. If you don't understand the goat status, okay. Um, yeah, special shout out to Rebecca. Honestly, like she was such a one of those people where it's like I still will just text her, I'll email her, but yeah, just reaching out to a bunch of people. Um, just reaching out to people, asking them. Portland Playhouse, Portland Playhouse took a chance on me. Like, uh, I remember when I first saw you. I don't even know if you remember that. Was that at Portland Playhouse? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I think you like came to a show. You were like, uh-huh. how can I be involved? And I was like, oh, okay. I'll put you in touch with Brian. Oh, was that? <laughs> oh, my God. So you hooked me up with that gig? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Really cool. But that's that's the kind of shit I was yeah, on. I was walking yeah. up to people just being like, can I work here? Um, yeah and then you next thing you know you work there and next thing you know three years later it's like you fuck with those people and uh you're still in touch so yeah it was um a bumpy start but i i 
this uh, opportunity, this artist residency was what everything was building up to for me. It was like to have the opportunity where it's Hell like, yeah. yeah, just to be like, yo, go do you. And we're not going to yeah. ask. No one's going to be in my face. No one's going to ask me anything. No one's going to say, do this, do that. I just get to do it. And then they say, here's the due date. Yeah. And when we were talking about anxiety earlier, I was like, yo, the anxiety of a due date. Yo. I love it. I haven't. Ha- I feel like I haven't had it since college. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best feeling. It's, yeah. it's what it takes. Dude, it's the best feeling to be like, yo, we're about yeah. to do this show. You're not happy with it. On, you're not, oh you know what I'm God. saying? Yeah. You know, the first time I did a solo show, I was like, this motherfucker is not ready for anybody to see, exactly. but here we go. Exactly, like, but, exactly. but yes. you have to fucking do it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, there's people in there, and they're watching it, and you're just killing it. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. yeah. No, it's also, fun. the freedom to like be like build your own team too. I was like, shit, like I yeah, get to like my people. Exactly. Like- <laughs> that was the that was the most exciting part for me. I was like, oh shit, like I can just like make art with the homies, right? That was, <laughs> Which that is what it's supposed to be. Right? Yeah. What it's supposed to be. That's community art, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. art's supposed to be based in community. I definitely feel like it shows in in the in the products too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, great. Let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and do a headline. This is everyone's favorite time of the show, headline. ding 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 Headlines, headlines, headlines. Headlines. All right, so i got a couple headlines. I got a, I got a COVID lockdown headline. Ooh, fuck that shit. This is on Bloomberg. So people are returning pets that they adopted during COVID. <laughs> of course. Oh, of course. Of course. So of course. Of course. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. What is wrong with y'all? Yeah, they don't want them. They only want them when they're cute. I don't know why that's so funny. Oh, that is so God. awful. Look, if you oh, if you got a pet during lockdown, it is your responsibility and duty to raise that. that absolutely, yeah. come on, what's absolutely, wrong? that's insane. No returns. Yeah, dang. God. I saw in my neighborhood. There's a dude who. Uh, when he got this dog, man, it was the cutest dog. Like it was the cutest thing. And then slowly it started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I could see he was getting like more aggressive when he was walking him and pulling him and yanking him. And like, I'm like, you didn't want that dog. You just wanted that puppy. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. For like a that's- week for five pictures. See, that's, that's why, why you, that's why you dog sit. That's why you babysit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give it back. <laughs> that's when you're allowed to give it exactly. back. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I wouldn't ever get a dog, regardless of the fact that I'm allergic, because I don't know how to take care of a dog. No. I don't know how to teach that thing what to do. No. I yeah. feel like you need similar conditions for a dog that you would have for a baby. Yes, you do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Phil was saying this with my dog. Yeah, Oscar's in the house. Oscar, Oscar. How long have you had him? He's a year, so he was he's a COVID and dog. Really but I like really I really did think about it, like the responsibility and everything, mm. and I was just was like, You can do it. But people called it, like that headline that Phil just read, it's just like people called that. People were like, Oh yeah, how many people are gonna get these animals and <laughs> then right. not yeah. gonna be able to take care of them? Uh. I like made sure he had aunties and uncles and people <laughs> I could pawn him off if but he's still with me. He is still with me. But he's I He's literally like, with you. Yeah, he's literally he's in the house. Yeah. <laughs> the he's halls. in the theater house. Yeah. He's really good. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I could. Could you imagine taking your dog back at this point? It's like a year. No, it's. I don't know. It's just. I. It's interesting to me because yeah, again, I like thought about. I really did think yeah. about. Okay, if I cannot take care of this, like who could? Okay, like my mom, my dad, my brother. Who could I pawn him off on? <laughs> but I think he's just, no, for real. Yeah, I mean that's real. I, I um, you. I think people should 
think about like the backup plans with animals, you know, maybe not kids, you know, they are stuck with those, but you could. Well, there was that play wolf play that went on. That was about this. uh, ART did. Yeah. Where they tried to return an adopted kid. Right. 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 Oh, Tamara was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's funny. I wonder what that, I feel like if I just pulled up, like, first of all, if I pulled up to the like pet place to return my animal, like you gotta wait till like no one's in line. Like you just gotta wait outside, like look and just like get in there and not even say anything. The poor yeah. Just like put it on the table and just be like nod and walk away or something. Right. Like you can't s- vocalize that you're returning the dog. Is it like a like like um? Remember in the old days, you used to go to like a firehouse and put like a basket in front yeah. of the no. fire department, just swaddled in like a clo- robes. That's Why so did people sad. drop their babies off at fire departments? Because they figured those people gave a shit. That's why you don't drop it off at a fucking police station. I mean, I guess. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> the police it's were like, a, it's idiot. a lot of work. Like, little kids. Like, I, I watched this documentary, and I want to say it was in Japan, of just, like, women who didn't have, like, support systems. And it was called, like, Baby Drop. And they would, like, literally drop. And this, this, um, this pastor created this church. And he had this church where, like, people, women could do it instead of trash cans instead of like yep. you know alternative yeah. things it's a huge burden like a, a, an animal like i think i'm past that stage of like a kid but yeah they especially dogs like they do feel like a little kid like you're like oh my god like a three-year-old yeah. and there's that there's that line where they like the cuteness like recedes because it's when you're just with them for so long and they do this so much annoying shit that you start to be like I'm kind of pissed at you. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you're not you're not cute right now. No matter how cool something is, you get over it. I mean, yes. think about the toys you had when you were a kid. That's right. See, these people just aren't growing up. That's the <laughs> damn problem. Yeah. You're supposed to learn something from this. Yes. That's true. I mean, I do blame it on millennials because we seem very wishy-washy. Mm. But, you know. I think it's also, it's true, though. It's also about, like, pictures taking, too. I think that yeah. they want you to see, like, look, I got a dog. And yeah, it's cute. Yeah, yeah. And my life is good. And then after, like, they get all the likes, they're like, all right, I'm done with that dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I saw some meme about, oh, it was the meme where it's, okay, I'm explaining a meme. But you know the one where it's the, uh, <laughs> the train running into the school bus? And on the school bus, it says, real moms. And on the... <laughs> On the train, it says people who are dog moms. Oh no! <laughs> on Mother's Day, it was like it was like people on social media on Mother's Day are dog moms. Whatever, I thought that was just which yeah. is also <laughs> uncool because did you see this year that they like they did a whole like the the conservatives? I mean, did a whole biological mom versus adopted mom really? kind of war? No. Yeah, what the, these people. Uh, I'm sorry. That's yeah, I mean, they just like to make people mad. It's, it seems like they're trolls at this point. Yeah, dude, definitely. Like, definitely like trolling. King troll for however long, whatever. Speaking of dogs that you can return with no um, with, with no qualms, uh, Dogecoin. Oh, are we diving right? into some Doge right now? Because I am ready to talk about Dogecoin. Go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. So, Goldman Sachs director reportedly quits after striking it rich in Dogecoin. Brilliant. Of yes. Course. We're in the Phil, just put me on. Yes. You, know. <laughs> you got to scoop up some 40 cent Dogecoin, I'm going to tell you. No, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Obviously, Dre doesn't listen to the podcast because we had an entire headline dedicated to cryptocurrency with Kaylee. We've been trying to tell y'all. I did not. I did not listen For to y'all years. podcast. I'm so sorry. Yeah. See, there we go. I sent Phil an SNL this morning. That's true. 
Oh. One of the Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. That caused a lot of a lot of problems for us. <laughs> so <laughs> you said you had a, a relationship to Dogecoin. A relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you get in at all? You got some. Uh, I definitely got some Doge popping. Uh, yeah, it's gonna go to the moon, literally. Nice. All right. It literally is going to the moon. I mean, my- he's gonna. They're gonna put a Dogecoin on the moon. Well, they said that you can. <laughs> they're gonna make one and put it on the moon. Yeah. That's that's how you know we're in the future. Yeah, I heard that uh, SpaceX is gonna accept Dogecoin mm-hmm. for trips to Mars, like literally. Oh wow! This motherfucker needs to stop. I'm telling you. He's yeah, he's jerk, he's jerking us around. He's jerking <laughs> us around. Around and he's trying to do all these things, and he's just he's. I mean, speaking of trolls, the sure motherfucker. He's trolls. trolling heavy. I mean, everybody's just trolling Listen, each other I, at this point. I, I'm just salty because I always get into Doge at the wrong time. Like, I've been into crypto for like three, four years, and like anytime I buy Doge, it just fucking drops. Like, mm-hmm. I watched that drop happen recently. I was like, oh, get in here. And they just kept going. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I died. Like, I, I lost a little bit. On That's that. true. It's a yeah, warning. No, no, no. Stick <laughs> with Ethereum, everybody. Yeah, Ethereum. Go, go Ethereum. <laughs> and Hex. Chill. Oh, hex. my God. Hex, Hex. Get out of here. This no, is not Moon Talk. This is not Moon Talk. <laughs> All right. So here's a headline. The FDA is going to ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars like blunt wraps. That's racist. Why? That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can't have menthols? Why, Chris? Oh, we can't have blunt wraps? Yeah. What are they doing to us? I don't know. They don't want us to have the great blunts. Why are they targeting us? (laughs) Do y'all know the secret? Is that because we know? Do y'all? What do you mean? What do you know, Kayla? Yeah, what's, what's the, the secret? secret? <laughs> Don't hold us back. Yeah, what, what's on. the secret? I, I, I guess I had some dope friends. I, I know, I know about these friends. So they're trying to block. Y'all know how? Like it's, I don't know. I call, I learned it as like the double tap or like the double take, where you take, you have your blunt, but then you also have, you also have like your black and mild or like your other. Oh, to like cover up in case you yes. get caught or something? Uh, not necessarily. Oh, okay. It's just like an effect. Oh, 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 you mean we like intensify? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I've been yeah. fucking with that since 2005. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do they have a reason? What's the reason? Also, side note, Why? I don't smoke. <laughs> Literally. Only, but I have a history. <laughs> <laughs> I did not inhale. <laughs> they um so uh, uh, literally apparently um it's the fda and there's been some actually like black organizations who've been working with this More black organization yeah i know who are trying to who, it's, it's, about, <laughs> it's about it's about african-american groups that are trying to like you know think about african-american health and stuff like that i just feel like the best way to get african-americans health is healthcare. yeah personally let's say Get them access to some, like, fresh food. Like, right? what, food are we, what are we really doing? Yeah. And you know what? How about a, a living wage? Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of shit lately about, like, like single stores closing down. Like, like Chipotle's and, like, fast food joints. Like, you, I've been seeing pictures of signs that the employees have been putting up being like, sorry, this place is closed because we fucking hate it. Like... We haven't been getting paid right. We haven't been doing this. Like people are going on strike like locally, I'm into like that. at like a single I'm location. Like I literally started seeing all these pictures like today on yeah. like memes and Instagram and all this shit where it's um and I mean yeah I mean 
Well, it's bad on. for them, but it's good for them to say, hey, fuck this. No, yeah, and th- that's the thing. They've been closing down their own stores because they're like, we haven't been making a living wage. And there's been some like real snarky shit where it's like, yeah, we're accepting applications, so please go online, fill out an application, then submit a resume with the same information as your application, and then a cover letter that summarizes your resume and mm-hmm. application, and then we will maybe pay you $11 an hour right. uh, <laughs> to do some shit right. that like nobody wants. Like, <laughs> So yeah, people, people are fed up. People are fed up with working, man. It's true. I mean, think about it. I mean, I've seen so many, and here's the thing, it's like... People are confused in the government or whatever, but all you had to do was go to TikTok because all over TikTok is videos of people being like, what is going on? Do I need to be at work? Why am I at work, you know, 70 hours a week mm-hmm. making flipping burgers for what? And this yeah. is what I'm supposed to do till I'm 70? What yeah. is going on? Yeah. yeah. And these are the people who got no help because they were essential workers, which meant that they yeah. kept their jobs, which meant that, quote unquote, they didn't need any help. Yeah. Fucking it's, bullshit. It's wild. And I, and I think it's just like... I don't think that it's the role of the government to, to interfere with people's uh, choices, mm. personally. Yeah, especially choices that have, like, literally no consequence to the people outside of them. Right. right? But I've, I've heard, like, arguments that say that, you know, uh, there are cigarette companies that are kind of unfairly targeting black people. I mean, that's mm. real, but, like, still, like, yeah. there's a lot of better ways. Like, honestly... The thing that get, got me to, like, really think about quitting smoking was going to my fucking doctor. Yeah. And him being like, look, dude, you got asthma and you're going to die early if you keep doing this. Right. And I was like, maybe yeah. I should stop smoking cigarettes so much. That moment, like, like when you're sitting on that, like, weird paper on the thing and you're and just yeah. like. Also, and also, like, how are you going to tell someone to go work for, you know, nothing and tell them to not go fucking smoke? Like, that's literally, like, I've had shitty. Yeah. Let me tell you, I worked for minimum wage up until, like, a few years ago. And, like, the only good part of my day was my cup of coffee in the morning and, like, taking a five-minute cigarette break every two hours. No. So, I mean, that's And then taking real. the huge shit that the coffee and the cigarettes <laughs> made you have. <laughs> Let me tell you, but that was not one of the part, good parts of my day. People, well, I mean, you got to have that experience to learn that you need to quit exactly. smoking. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I got one more headline. Okay. A woman finds stairs inside her cupboard leading to a secret basement. Brilliant. Uh, yes. Where's the movie? Right, Narnia, right. <laughs> but but different. How big is this house? It's it's I don't know. And first of all, stairs in her cupboard. In her cupboard. I was dreaming about that shit my whole life growing up. I'm like, there's got to be a secret passageway right. somewhere in here. Like, can I sh- and can I show you what these stairs look like? They oh, nice. look like they walk towards the gates of hell. <laughs> oh hell no! <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> she go down there. <laughs> Go find a dead Mickey Mouse down there. Wait, did anybody see Parasite? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. That was the last movie I saw in a theater before the pandemic. I love right. Parasite so yeah. much. That was, that was great. great. Mm, that I was saw it like four times in theaters. I yeah. So much. I watched that at Fieldhouse. I what? Sleep. Oh, wait, I saw that movie two weeks ago. Nights. I don't remember that. Was okay. that Parasite or was that at that other one? No, we watched Hereditary. There it that's, is. Yeah, that's... Fuck that. Yo, ah! Every night I see a woman just like. In the corner of my ceiling. <laughs> Jesus. Ooh, oh my god! I blocked that out of my mind because I don't even remember what happened. I just remember the images. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't need sounds. to see it again. And I- mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's uh, let's do some plugs. 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 This is the time where you can kind of point people towards anything you feel like they should know about. Mm. 
in um, in line with NPR and everything else that white people find about way too late and that I found out about way too late and actually started watching way too late. And since this is Coho's audience base, I figure you guys should know about it. <laughs> Pose. Okay. I literally just started watching Pose wow. and like I cannot stop. Show? The, the show Pose. It's incredible. Yeah. What's, what's it it's, on? It's about, it's, a, it's, on Nef- it's, a, it's on FX, but it's on Netflix right now. The, uh, the first two seasons are on Netflix and it's about ball culture, ballroom culture, um, drag performance and, uh, uh, at the time, it was called transsexuality in like the late 80s, early 90s in New York City. And this is also Ooh. what has influenced everything about our culture Very right now mm-hmm. is something that was completely underground for a very long time. And if you've seen like Paris is Burning and stuff like that, that's what they're talking about. Um, that was a great movie. Yeah. And so uh, this is like, you know, a dramatic uh, Billy Porter is this fucking magnanimous character and let me tell you every time i like watch this show i'll like turn on npr and someone from pose is like talking on npr and that's how i know i'm too late Mm -hmm. um but like like (laughs) i literally dropped my girlfriend off at her house and like turned on the radio and billy porter was like yelling on npr i was like all right yep 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 here we go so uh honestly like oh my god everyone on that show is great there's some great acting um and like it's really making me think as like you know um Especially as, like, a white guy who identifies as queer, but, like, isn't hourly queer and, like, has, you know, it's just, like, it it really explores all of the facets of, um, you know, what's going on. And And the performance of identity. And the performance of identity, absolutely. Yeah, so I I highly recommend it to everybody out there. Um, It'll teach you a lot about some shit that you... um, like things that you like know about in culture and didn't realize where they came from. So, um, yeah, get on it. Nice. I'll follow that up and say that if you haven't seen Time, which is on Amazon Prime, definitely a, uh, worth a watch. It's a documentary. I don't want to say too much, but the director was able to to use a lot of archival footage that this woman shot of her experience waiting for her husband to get out of prison. Wow. And so she's just kind of doing almost like a vlog of just like every day. And it, it it takes it goes over the course of like he I think he was sentenced for 60 years. Oh, my God. And so it's it's just like over the course of decades of this woman raising her children and just like loving this man. And, like, and it's a documentary. It's a documentary. Oh, it's wow. so good. Yeah. It's so good. And she just took so much footage. And really what it comes down to is that the woman who did it had so much to offer. And then the way that they strung it all together is just so beautiful. Yeah. And I, it is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in a long Great. time. So highly recommend time on Amazon prime. Love it. Um, so last night I met Damon Wayans jr. Oh my via God. FaceTime. Oh my God. And it was incredible. What do you mean? Huh? Yeah. What so <laughs> without saying too much, one of my friends is working on a show uh with him and i was like you know playing with him i was like hey like if you like i was like i just want to say hi he was like you know if i call you on facetime just know what's up i was like yeah right okay i get a facetime before we do our run last night we were in the damon wayans jr just on the air 
incredible. That's awesome that he did that. Yes, I know. It was so cool. Um, so yeah, Damon Wayans Jr. I think he's just brilliant. Um, the way he does comedy, I, 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 I love him. So go ahead and look him up. And um, my guy Jay Cole is releasing an album this Friday. Uh, it's called the off season support that man just incredible storytelling and um and he always drops an album when some real shit is happening in my life mm-hmm. so yeah support j cole yeah i do love j cole yeah j cole goes hard as fuck yeah although there are controversial opinions i heard recently someone say that j cole was overrated oh. and then it wormed its way into my brain and now i can't like get is it a video? you can say that about everybody well, have it's you, true. Have you been keeping up with the whole no name thing? The no name shit that went back and forth. Yeah, I love no name. I also feel like no name. I do have criticisms of no name where I'm just like that that da 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 that rhythm. I'm just like, all right, we get it. You you can do that rhythm. We get it. Well, she's a poet, and that's like her style, right? It's true, but it's every time. Um. That's the thing about poetry. <laughs> poetry, they get stuck in that. That's uh, right. That's right. It, the it cook- is a style that is like very specific. Yeah. Well, Chris would know. Are you still going poetry? Yeah. Well, not now. I mean, I do. Um, um, did you or did you not open for Saul Williams? I did definitely open for Saul Williams. I did have a whole life of what. A, yeah, I got to chill with Saul Williams. I was chill. I was a slam kind of like uh, hip hoppy. Like you know how Saul Williams isn't like slam, but he, it is like yeah. I, that's kind of how I was. It was like the black people version of slam, where it's like it's more like re- it's more like bars and in, in hip hop, yeah, and like that than it is like the kind of like this dude first. fucking hustles. What, what the, the fuck? fuck? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, what would I pl- uh, speaking? Of, I would actually do a I would, I would plug a poetry thing. I every couple years I find myself rereading. Uh, Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. It's really beautiful uh, and really inspiring and encouraging and a lot of love and helping you go forward and self-help and just beauty. And I just started rereading it every day. I'll read like a chapter of it. And uh, it's just good vibes. You know what I mean? Just like good positive shit for you. So if you haven't fucked with Leaves of Grass, get down on it. I need that. Song of Myself is the name of the poem that I would recommend. Song of Myself. Fuck with, fuck with Walt Whitman. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like this is a, this is a hard question. Um, I guess I'll like relate to something that Phil had me watch, which was Guava Island. I, I just feel like in general, just like finding, finding like wherever you are in the world, like finding your local like communities, art communities and plugging into that. And then, um, just really getting, I would encourage like getting involved in, in some of the, the movements of like indigenous movements and land back movements and, uh, black and native solidarity movements. Um, so if you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook, like plugging into those groups and just like showing up for your communities and just getting involved is like something I would say, mm. um, like a good book to read is a uh, braiding sweetgrass um i need to read some octavia butler for sure hell yeah so what by her is is fire everything i yeah everything. i parable i honestly can't specifically okay parable yeah, of the talents. I read it. yeah yeah i plugged Parables, those recently yeah. on the show yeah i don't know if i think of something else come back at rat it in. what's guava yeah. island it's um it has uh rihanna rihanna in it and um 
Donald Glover. I'm like, I'm using his like full name, yeah, Donald Glover or Childish Gambino. And it's just like a short little thing on Amazon, like a short little musical bit. I don't know. It Like, I think the thing that really just like resonated with me, is just like all of the black people. Mm. Yes, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. Um, just to see a, a movie like that, that's just, I don't know, like not about slavery or not about, um, like there was definitely like, I mean, I guess you could say like lateral oppression or whatever in there in some ways, but just like bringing an oral tradition and just showing like a community within a community and a community leader leading with music and voice and, and culture and song and dance. So, yeah. Did you say lateral oppression? Yeah. What does that I, mean? Uh, like black that. on black crime, like that kind of thing, like where it's like, you're not seeing like slave owner and black person or like white slave owner and black. It's like, okay, well this is a community and how are we seeing just like, Sure. Oppression. Gotcha. Yeah. On. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you all for coming today and talking to us. And thank you. Yeah. This has yeah, been super so. fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and definitely check out these pieces. All three of them are really great, really well produced, and really well uh, done. And so I just want to thank you all for bringing that to Coho. And thank you for helping us the whole way. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for bringing it to Portland. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radical Listening. If you have questions or would like to reach out, feel free to reach out to our email, which is radicallisteningpodcast at gmail.com or visit the Coho Theater website for more information. And thanks for listening.